Today you're in for a treat. We've got Eddie Dubon is going to be speaking today. Why, Eddie, why don't you come up? And uh, Eddie and Christina, uh, Christina, you can give a wave maybe if people can see. Eddie and Christina head up uh, the international side, I mean the Latin American side in particular, but I think you guys basically do the international side for Church Renewal. And very instrumental, amazing. They've been working here uh, together since 2015, uh, but they've been coming to church here since 2012. And so uh, about five years now, they started coming here, and not because of Eddie. Okay, Christina wanted to come here. She obviously was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and uh, Eddie actually came here very well, and he'll share a little bit of that in his testimony, but he came here very uh, kind of leery about us, thinking we were a little weird. In fact, I remember the first time I met him, we went out for lunch at uh, Don Ayers when it was in, in Mitchell. And uh, I didn't think anything of it. I just, anybody who has an accent, I'll go out for lunch with you. That's just basically how it works with me. I love accents, every kind of accent. I, I just love it. And uh, people from other places. So this guy with an accent wants to go for lunch. Of course, we're going to go for lunch. I didn't realize that he was testing me. He thought I was some kind of an end times kook. And uh, I don't know. You guys didn't even laugh that hard. Some of you actually are. That's still up in the air with a lot of our church, I guess. Um, so he was asking me questions, kind of trying to test me. I had no idea. And uh, now that I know him a little better, I'm a little insulted that he, of all people, would think I was the kook. But, uh, um, but anyway, God really began to work in his heart. And, and, uh, and now getting to know them, you know, I, I've uh, wanted him to, to speak in our services for quite some time, and it just hasn't worked yet. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, I think it's good uh, for all of you to get to know. We have a big staff here, and particularly in church renewal and stuff. It's good for you to get to know some of the people who have, are giving their lives uh, for ministry here through this church. It's amazing. So it's good for you to get to know him. And in the first part of his message, he's just going to tell a bit of his testimony. And just his testimony alone is a message uh, before he gets to some of his points. Um, but then a, a, a second reason why I really wanted Eddie to preach is just uh, him and, and Christina are the, the real deal. And it's more than just his words. When he stands up here on stage and preaches this morning, uh, he's more than just words. They live it all the time. I mean, uh, anywhere Eddie goes, uh, it doesn't matter, Buddhist, Muslim, atheist, doesn't matter how much they might hate Christianity or be against Christianity, Eddie shares about Jesus everywhere he goes. And my prayer this weekend is that a little bit of that boldness. Now, last night he thought I called him bald, okay? <laughs> boldness. Uh, <laughs> He's got a bit of a hearing accent, not just a speaking accent. But um, I'm, my prayer is that this weekend, a little bit of his boldness for Jesus, to share Jesus without fear and, uh, and passionately is going to rub off on our whole church. We need some of that. I think there's a gift there. And uh, I know he was feeling a little insecure about his accent last night. We all had no problem. So, but I want you just to lean forward and let the Spirit speak to you, and, uh, and I really think something good is going to happen this weekend. So why don't you just give him a clap and uh, just encourage him. And Eddie, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. It, it is exciting to be here among you. I, I really, I was doubting it to be here in front. One for my, my Spanglish, <laughs> and uh, the other is because it's, this is a, such a responsibility. And I, I, I was in through the process that God was dealing with me in so many areas. And, uh, and to this point that I think uh, Chris invited me several times, and I was going to deny this time too, but uh, the Lord spoke to me during two weeks ago, and he challenged me to do something. And I did, and I obeyed, and uh, it really it is a privilege to be here among you. First of all, I just want to say thank you for allowing us to live among you. 
Uh, it is excited to be here, as I said before, especially that today we are celebrating 150 years of Canada. It is amazing. I had this privilege to be standing here saying, celebrating 150 years of Canada. But I am not just thankful for you, but I'm thankful for your foreign fathers. You guys live in a blessed country. You guys live in a blessed land. And you won't believe it how much you blessed are. And to you come to Latin America, or you go to Africa, or you go to Asia, and to some countries, you can say that Canada is a blessed country. Let me tell you why. Also, I say thank you. Because your foreign fathers came to this wild land, and let me tell you, it's wild, especially in winter. <laughs> it is wild. God has to use me. It used winter to, for breaking me, to break me. And uh, because they came to this wild land, and they make of this place a beautiful garden that produces enough food to feed half of the world. That's amazing. And wherever Mennonites go, they are blessed. Wherever you guys go, you are blessed by God. You won't believe it, but you are. Paraguay wouldn't be the nation what it is today. I've been in Paraguay. And it's a nation that is growing economically because of you Mennonites. Belize, the government said, come and take land. Because they know you guys work hard. You had a good ethics of work. Mexico, Mexico give you land for free. It's true. Come to Chihuahua. Because you guys make that land that they didn't want to work, that you guys made it a productive land. You went to Uganda. And you built an orphanage over there. And you bought a land. And now you're feeding 2,000 kids. And you taught them how to, how to plant and produce enough food to feed them. That's amazing. And I'm glad to be part of this church too. Because God is using you. And he's, you can imagine the impact that you are going to have in the future. And I bet I want to be with you before the Lord. Praising him for what he did through you and through your obedience and sacrifices. Thank you. Well, I just wanted to practice my plotage. I don't know that good, but I just want to say this. Has du shane jet slopper? Have du shone slopper? I was say it. I'm better. My high German is better. Have du leke slaffen? Bigesse stia. See how good? <laughs> Getting better now. <laughs> well, let me introduce. My, well, you know, my name is Eddie Duvones. I, I serve in, in church renewal. I'm, I'm so happy serving in this, in this area after so many trials and so many decisions to make and many difficulties, but I'm now enjoying it. But, uh, well, I was born in Nicaragua in a, in a place called Bluefields. It, was, it used to be a British colony over there. They speak English and they speak Patwa. And they say something like this when they, they want to say, go have a good sleep. They say, Siribibun. Sleep well. That sounds, doesn't sound like English, but they say it's English. <laughs> well, that's why you can understand me now, where my accent is coming from and all this difficult way to understand me too. Just bear with me, please. In, in, in Nicaragua in the in 1980s was a country that was emerging civil war. 
contrast versus Sandinistas. The next slide will show you a little bit of those pictures. And I learned to use one of those AK-47, and I felt like rumble <laughs> when I had it in my hand. I really thought that I was invincible, and I wanted to go and defend my country against the CIA and the United States. Well, I was one of those little kids. I was wearing one of those red bandanas that says FSLM, Frente Sandinista de Liberación, which is the freedom fighters. And I wanted to go and fight for my country, but my mom and my dad saw that many of my friends came back in a plastic bag. And I said, oh, this guy is coming back too. And then I, we, wanted, we need to take him out of, of uh, Nicaragua. But uh, it was uh, during that time that uh, during the war in Nicaragua that my father began to have political problems, especially with the National Sandinistas Union, that they make his life so miserable. He decided to leave to Guatemala, which is the next country we move a little bit up. And some people say that I'm moving up, 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 but I'm not sure about that. Well, I'm here in Canada now. I hope I don't get to Alaska because that will be too cold. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, we moved to Guatemala. My father became a Christian in Guatemala. He went to this crazy church because I do, I used to believe that Christians were crazy people, were fanatic. The revolution used to teach us that the opio of the people is the religion. Give them religion, they will be happy. Well, I used to believe that Christians were weak people and they didn't know really, they didn't have, they were not strong to face the difficulties in the world. But I was wrong. The Bible said, Paul said to the Corinthians that the, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those that perish. Well, I was perishing, and for me it was foolishness. But one day, my father in Guatemala took me, took us, uh, well, one day he actually made us go to church, uh, and I was, it was against my will. But one Sunday, in a mission conference, I heard a message from a missionary that really, uh, it, I thought that this is for me. I bet my father went and talked to that guy and told him something about my life. And I asked my dad, what you told that man about me? He said, I don't know the guy. Well, God was already touching, my, touching me, showing me his love at that moment. I didn't make a confession of faith. I, did, I was ashamed to raise my hands. I was being convicted of my sins and of my nature and also myself. But uh, it was in the next mission conference that I made my public confession of my faith. It was there in the mission conference that I said, yes, I believe in Jesus. But also I was committing myself into war missions. I didn't know what I was saying. I knew that I wanted to follow Jesus because what he did at the cross for me at that moment. Well, God began to show me that it was actually his plan to use me in world missions. It was hard. To make this decision. I was in, uh, finishing the school, a technical school in computers. And during that time, almost I mean, at the end of the semester, I had uh, the opportunity to share the gospel with my classmate. Well, we were in this class, and uh, it was actually chemistry. At the end of the chemistry, I saw my friend that had a t-shirt of ACDC and Black Saval and Guns and Ronses. Well, I told him, you know, you are worshiping Satan. I was a new Christian. You know, you, when you are a new Christian, you became barbarian Christian. I told him, they get a machete and they shop head with the gospel. And I was one of those. And I was shopping head with the gospel. I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know if they were getting close to Jesus or they were scared and they want to leave. Uh, well, I told him, I told him this, that Satan was the God of this, this uh, world. 
Well, he said, you crazy, you don't know the Bible and everything. Well, all the class in this moment, I shouldn't say this, but uh, all the class asked us, Eddie, prove it. You know, when you're studying science and you're studying all those things, you need to prove what you said. Well, I didn't know the Bible. I went to the pastor and I said, Pastor, please help me. I got myself into trouble. Well, yes, you know, I don't know really where the verse of the Bible, I know I heard you saying that Satan is the God of this world. And I, I don't know where it come from. You know, please help me. Well, he went to the New Testament and the, old, uh, and the Gospels. He showed me where next, next day after a chemistry class, everybody asked, Eddie, now prove it. Well, I stand up and start sharing with them. I prove myself. And at the end, I challenged them to give their life to Jesus. Well, half of the class gave their life to Jesus. And at the end of the semester, and it was amazing that they joined the sales group of Campus Crusade. And I was so pumped up. I said, oh, God is using this simple man to, to share people, uh, to share and bring people closer to, to Jesus. Well, you know, I think it was God using my Sandinista idealism and, or communism of giving yourself for something to change your world that God used to move me into world missions. During my quiet time that I was doing through the navigators, memorizing the scripture, make it use in your heart, and make it a real living thing, I got used one verse in Matthew 10, verse 39. He said, whosoever finds his life will lose it. And whosoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Well, I give up everything I give up everything, my future, my, my career. My dad wasn't that happy. And, well, for the much, a lot of money he paid for it because in Latin America, your dad paid for university. And uh, I, he wasn't that happy. I left everything to follow Jesus. I did it with faith. I didn't have any money. Oh, well, I had $10 here. But I didn't, have any, <laughs> I didn't have any money in my pocket at that moment. But I said, God, I am following you. I will give up everything and follow you. That was when I didn't know that what Operation Mobilization with the OM, with the ship Logos 2 that came to visit, that was preparing their visit to, to Guatemala at the time, came to Guatemala. The next picture shows you, that's the Logos 2 ship that I joined in, in, at that time. God, when I was going up in the gangways, and you have to understand, I, I was a secessionist. I was a 100% Baptist. I'm not again Baptist. I'm a Baptist uh, in my heart. But I became Bapticostal. <laughs> and God already was showing me that he's still speaking. And then when I was going up, I heard whisper in my heart. I said, this is the place I'm going to change you. I didn't know what happened. But I said, yes, I'm happy and I, I'm going to join it. After a month of being in the ship, they invited me to be part of Operation Mobilization, which I did. And I joined this by faith. With zero dollar, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. I did it by faith. Well, uh, during my time on Logos, I had the opportunity to coordinate evangelism team, uh, to coordinate the evangelism program of the Logos. And we used to have thousands of people coming on board. We didn't have to go and look for them. Sometimes we went outside, which was one of the experiences that you can see in left, in the right side of looking this way, uh, in Liberia. Liberia was, during the war, they did so much atrocities in the name of revolution. It was amazing. I saw kids shop hands, kids abused their moms because the guerrillas make it do it. Oh, he was horrible. Many orphanages. It was amazing. I was just in shock when I was there. Nicaragua was chalky for me, but 
but Liberia was worse. Well, I had the opportunity. We, have the, we showed the Jesus film because there was no electricity at the time. They destroyed the, the, uh, in, and the engines and all the dumps that they produced electricity, and there was no electricity in the city. What well, a perfect scenario to show the Jesus film. Because we had it, we, that's the film that is translated in many different languages. And we actually had a copy of the version in their own language, which is, was uh, Swahili, no, uh, Ewe. Well, when Jesus was speaking their own language, you could see the kids slapping and happy because Jesus speaking my language. That was amazing. And I saw them clapping and having fun uh, hearing the message of the Lord Jesus Christ given by him in the, according to the book of Lucas. Uh, Luke. Sorry. When I, at the end of the film, they asked me to, uh, to share the gospel, and I had the privilege to close the, the film. There was more than 3,000 people in front and in the back. I, I, I told them, you have committed sins against God. But also your nation has committed sins against God. Let us ask forgiveness for our sins. You have to understand, I've been in many different campaigns in Africa. But uh, if you go to Africa and you tell somebody, oh, give something, and then you invite them to teach, to accept Jesus Christ, many of them will say, yes, yes, I want to pray with you and accept Jesus Christ. But if you ask them to go in their knee in front of everybody, and repeat the prayer and with conviction of their heart, that will mean something to them. And they did. It was, I couldn't keep praying because I just told them, repeat with me, Lord Jesus, our nation has committed sins against you. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for our sin. Oh, the people didn't let us go until 4 o'clock in the morning. They were asking questions about what the Lord uh, what, what, how is to have a fellowship with him and how we can have a, a growing him. It was, it was amazing. Well, and then, and well, part, as a part of OM, I, during my time in OM, I met this beautiful Mexican right there. Uh, well, she's a mariachi, and then if you ask her to, to sing, she will sing for you, and she's very good. Uh, well, uh, we married the 7, the 7 at 7 on 2000. I did it the seven, the seven at seven because I was asking God, you know, I'm a poor missionary. I'm getting married with a rich, this rich girl that I don't know how I'm going to help, how I'm going to do it. Just, I'm doing it by faith. And he did it actually. And he has done it until now. Well, a good Mennonite friend told me once this, you better make hay while the sun shine. And I obeyed that, that proverb. And you see the result and Abed and Samuel. <laughs> And I actually, I became a Mennonite, you know. <laughs> I'm in the heart. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, as I said, we're, we were part of Campus, uh, Campus Crusade too. We joined Campus Crusade in 2001 after an event. The next picture, uh, Campus Crusade is an organization that is almost in 100 countries. And a lot of, almost 50 some ministries around, uh, leader impact group. Many of uh, businessmen from this area has been going to those programs. We used to... Uh, do evangelism among the 5% of the population because the 5% of the population in Latin America are the movers and shakers. And we had the privilege to see many of them becoming a Christian. And that's so excited. And uh, I was so excited to see them also using simple men, Mennonite men, challenging people to become a Christian. Businessmen in Mexico, Panama, Bolivia, Ecuador. And I saw many of those guys, some of them in tears, accepting Jesus Christ. One of those men was my father-in-law. He was the president of Hotel Association of Acapulco. Now you can say, why my, 
I needed money to get married with Christina. <laughs> well, and uh, he was a hard, hard, hard to break. Many pastors try, many people try, and it took one businessman from Yonsei and one businessman from DC uh, <laughs> to share the gospel with him. And at the end of the project, he gave his life to Jesus. He used to think that Christina and I were losers and uh, because we give up all our profession and everything just for the sake of Jesus. And then uh, at the end of his life, before he died, he called the losers to make sure he was safe. And that was amazing. I had the privilege to pray with him again and say, you know, you need to make sure. A week, two weeks later, he died from something else, not from his heart. But God has a funny sense of humor, but he is faithful. And he will honor you when you faithfully you follow him. But he uses simple people, simple people like me. You don't have to be uh, D.L. Moody, uh, Billy Graham, Billy King, or any of those prosperity gospel preachers to be used by God. He uses simple people like you, only with a willing heart. And I'm so excited to join because after this, in 2011, and 12, actually, we came to Canada. And uh, during our time in Canada, uh, well, I came because I was getting prepared to occupy a position in Campus Crusade and a little bit higher. And uh, I thought that I came to, to Canada because of that. You know, I was Eddie Dubon. And uh, in Mexico, my name means something here, nothing. <laughs> but, uh, well, I came here because I knew God had a purpose. I had the opportunity to go to Dallas Seminary in Texas, but the answering was not coming. A friend of mine from Yancey, he really challenged me to take the step of faith to come to here. But I didn't know where Providence was. Well, God, uh, we came here to take this piece of paper that could help me to get a better position in Campus Crusade. And, uh, but God had a different purpose. God used two Manitoban winters to test the beauty of the winter of Manitoba, to understand that what I do is not about me, but it's about him. Well, in the first winter, that was one of the worst in Canada. <laughs> we, one day it was minus 50. <laughs> and I was driving that day to school, which is in Niverville to Otterburn. There is a gravel road, and I, I'm sure you have been through that road. You go there, and there is a little bridge and that connect and the road. And then I was just turning. I promise you, I was around 40 driving this 4x4. Four four. I was there, I turned, I slapped the brake. Mistake. That thing went boom, it went into the ditch. And then in the ditch, I was, I was already complaining to God. I said, God, why you brought me here? I had so much fun in Mexico I'm preaching the gospel. And I was just there crying. And I heard a whisper. You have to understand, I was a secessionist. I didn't believe, I did believe, but I, I did experience it before, but I put it aside. And I heard a whisper in my heart that says, this is not about you, it's about me. Oh, that changed everything. Even my attitude towards school, I became a better student. <laughs> a Latino, you know, with a big, a very strong accent. And uh, writing papers, and it was a process to learning. Even Greek, stick, it started to stick into my head. That was, that was amazing. But uh, I, in, I finished that. And then later on, I had the privilege to get invited to join Church Renewal. And I'm so excited because uh, I'm for two things. One, I'm part of a church that is 
practicing five of the principles that can change the world. And then another one is that I'm seeing many pastors being transformed too, through this. The, it's not just Pastor Ray, it's many pastors now. But at the beginning, I was doubting it. Because I came from Campus Crusade, I'm an operational mobilization. Operational mobilization, 60-some countries I had the opportunity to be, to visit and to do ministry. And also, I was with or a Campus Crusade, sorry, they also in hundred and some countries. And then when I got the invitation to join, uh, to join Church Renewal, I was doubting it. I said, man, it's only one pastor and 20 Canadian pastors. No Latino American contact. This is, no way, this is not for me. And then God was always putting, my wife was there, my kids were praying, people were praying. And, uh, but God did them, at the last time we went to Mexico in December 2015, after being in the process of being accepted, uh, or being, sorry, accepting the position, we did, uh, we did say yes, but I went to Mexico still struggling. And it was in the, in the house of my friend in the basement, take, as we were giving away all our gift, wedding gifts, I heard a whisper that says, are you willing? And I said, maybe it's my subconscious, you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I'm okay with I, I can I can call Pastor Ray and tell him, look, I really listened. In the, and I didn't really was connected with God when I heard the, your, uh, your invitation. I was thinking to do that. And then... Next step, when we went to the box with a lot of books, there was a Greek Bible that I brought here as a symbol. Uh, and that Greek Bible I heard, are you willing? I started weeping. And I said, yes, I'm willing. But it's hard to be in Canada with two, uh, to take care of a, house, a renting house and another house in Acapulco. Do you have to help us? Well, we came back. And after a week, we were able to sell one house in Acapulco, which nothing happened that it quickly. Just God did it. And the second one, we saw it last year when we went with Pastor Ray, and it's Pastor Ray was in the table when I was able to sell the house right there without really people, the guy helping me to buy the to sell the house, the, the guy who bought it. Only God could do that. There is a lot of people trying to sell houses in Mexico, and especially in Acapulco, and they can't because it's very unsafe. Only God can do that. And I'm so thankful to you to allow us to live among you. My kid has been so blessed. And that's why also I'm so thankful for the privilege to be among you. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anyone that wants to come to work and serve him has to come with a faithful and to understanding that he exists and that he is real. I believe this church has a great call. And you know it. And you have been pursuing it. I believe this church, God wants to expand what he's doing through you in many other countries, which is happening right now. But to live this, we need to live in a revival. Our personal life needs to be in a revival. Revival. If we want to see the church in Canada change and the church in the world change and society change. But for this to be possible, we need to practice five principles that you already are practicing without knowing it. But I know God has been preparing you guys to be an example to many other churches around the world to know how to do it in a balanced way and in a biblical way. With the Spirit and the Word. Which is, I've been in 60-some countries. And I've been in Argentina, Colombia. I've been in Costa Rica, Panama, in Mexico. And I've been in different countries. I've been in Europe too. And I've seen many things happening. But no like this. Especially when the pastors come and they see you serving with a humble heart, with a simple heart. 
but we love. That really talks to them. They say, you guys have something that we don't have. I, and I'm telling you, every week I meet the pastors. I hear the pastor. And I'm coaching one group, the new group, those Latinos that came in last May. That is exciting. But to live this, it's interesting what is going on in the world and you're still in society today. One of the things that really strike my attention is that many Christians are still happy with their simple life, Christianity they are living. When God called you from the darkness to the light to become his priesthood, his chosen people, his chosen nation to share the goodness of the God who brought you from darkness to light. You have brought, been brought, you have been set free to share the good news of the gospel. Not to just be sitting in, the, in Sundays or Saturdays, but to do much more or just giving. Because you have been called for greater things. Like the nation of Israel, who God brought from Egypt to the promised land. But it's a paradox that in 2001, in September 11, all the world knew in one hour who Bin Laden was. But it has taken 2,000 years that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords had died on the cross. And there is many people downtown Winnipeg that don't know who Jesus is. Or they know something about a Jesus, but he's a religious Jesus. No, a Jesus of a relationship with the living God. That is a paradox. It is also a paradox that is still in 1969, since 1969, everybody knows who Neil Armstrong is or was. But still many people that come from different countries, Muslims, Buddhists, Filipinos, thank God that they are among us now. They come, God, bring, God is bringing them here from Africa, from South America to see I believe the government of Canada didn't know this, but they, he didn't, they didn't know that God will revive that church, that his church and people will start to see there is real Christians in Canada. And you are one of them. The church is not this building. The church is you. But it's a paradox still because many of them haven't met anyone, a neighbor that really showed them Jesus in a real and personal way. You have a lot of work to do. You have been called to be God's nation, his holy priesthood, his chosen people, to present the good news of the gospel. It is also a paradox that 50% of Christians in North America say that it's not our responsibility to share Jesus with others. That is a paradox. But if we want to live in a revival, we need to practice those five principles that really can move the church. And you have been doing it. Believe me, you have been doing it. And there is, but we need to grow in them. Because there will be a time that God is going to bring a great revival. And you are getting, you are getting ready for that. A pastor from Toronto, the president of the Alliance of the Latino American Pastors, Felipe Gonzalez, was here among you. He was in my, in my group last week, and he shared this with the pastors. He's a, a guy that doesn't have hair, but he has a lot of experience. 
And he still told the other pastor from Spain, Brazil, Argentina, uh, Panama, uh, Mexico, and Nicaragua, and the Dominican Republic. He told him this. Brothers and sisters, I think the Lord is reviving his church as the, first, uh, as the, as the early church. Let us, get at, let us get ready. And that happened last week. Brothers and sisters, with, I think that for such a time like this, you have been called. But to live and experience a revival, we need to practice these five, those five things and do a prayer like the prayer of the prophet Habakkuk in chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. I hope will be your prayer from now on. Because it has been my prayer since 1987 that I want to see the, the church of God awaken. I lived that experience in Brazil. I had the experience to be in Africa and live it in some churches. But when it's not everybody, that faded a little bit. The prophet Habakkuk prayed this way. Oh Lord, I hear you speak, thy speech. And I was afraid. Revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In your rock, remember mercy. The longing of the prophet to see his people wake up again, praising God, no matter the situation they were facing at that moment. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 and 15 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked way, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. And heal their land. Brothers and sisters, I believe that God's ears are on you. He hears your prayers. And I'm amazed when pastors come and hear those young people, or teenagers, that pray for them. And they get so encouraged when they receive word from him. That is, you can see that in many other countries, in many places, or many churches. That is a sign of revival. As I said before, we need to learn to praise God no matter the situation if we want to live in revival. It's very easy to praise him when you have money in your pocket or in the bank, when everything is going well in your family, when you have a car in winter that is, you can start it from, from here in the church and you can start it outside. I don't have that privilege. Uh, it is very easy to praise God. But when winter is hard, when things are tough, when there is no money in the pocket, when the bank account is against you, it is so hard to praise God or to be thankful to God. I'm telling you this by personal experience. But when we thank Him and we do it with a conviction of the heart, there is power and God began to get the glory. And when you do that, you don't need to do nothing else because there is freedom when you tell your soul to experience God worshiping Him. There is so much power that you can experience in a personal way. The psalmist knew this, this experience. And he left us with, a, I would say that this is the preludium or the pre-preparation for inner healing. In Psalm 103, he says this to his soul. Praise the Lord, all my soul, all my meaningless being. Praise his holy name. 
Praise the Lord, all my soul, and forget none of his benefit. Who forgives you all your sin and heals you of all your diseases. He is worthy to receive our praises and the glory. It is not just singing. It is a conviction and disposition of the heart to praise him. No matter what I'm experiencing in the moment. That changed your character. That changed your life. And your Christian life. Of being a boring Christian. You became a happy Christian. Knowing that your joy doesn't come from you. It comes from the Lord. And he said to the Lord. The psalmist says. Revive the spirit within me. Create a holy heart. To praise you Lord. Don't take away your spirit from me. And he says, there is a verse also in the Bible that says, the joy of the Lord is, the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we learn to praise God, we will live in victory and in freedom. There was a man in history that you may know and you may recall this because he's a very famous man. He was a lawyer from Chicago who lost all his business in the fire of Chicago on night. 1871, contemporary of D.L. Moody. His name is Horatio Stanford. He has the privilege to be buried at the mountain Zion. And I, that's amazing. Only few people have that privilege. He lost his business in, night, in the fire in 1871. And then two years, two years later, he lost his youngest son of fever. And in 1873, in a shipwreck, he lost four of his daughters. And when he was in his biography, he reports this. When he was in the ship to a, in traveling to England, he wrote this poem that later became a great hymn of Christian faith. It is well, it is well. With my soul. If you read it, I really encourage you this week, go and read it. You will see inner healing right there. I like to sing it. I'm not a good singer, but I know you know it. And it starts like this When peace, like the river, attend my way. Help me, please. When sorrows like fables roll. Whatever my Lord, thou hast something to say, it is well, it is well with my soul, it is well with my soul, it is well. It is good to praise the Lord no matter the situation, good or bad. It's good that we don't believe in a religion. We believe in a relationship with the living God who is real and want to be real in our heart. When we praise him, there is victory and freedom. Amen. There is a Korean, there, there is a people that really I love and I admire. I had four cabin mates from Korea with me on the ship. They taught me this. 
They told me about this story, about this brother from Korea. His name is Choi Sung Young. That in 1980, he bought a team, soccer team. He ne didn't name that team Jets, Blue Jay, Bombers, Chicago Bulls, or Riders. He called that, that team Alleluia Team. And you can research on, on Google. Hallelujah team went to in 1985 to, to play against communist, uh, Repu China communist, uh, communist, against China. <laughs> Just to say, against China. And the, com and the narrator, or the guy in the radio was saying this. Hallelujah team took the ball to the left side. Hallelujah team scored a goal. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He was praising God without, he didn't know what he was doing, but he was praising God 3,000 times. He was repeating the word, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's good to praise God when there is things in your pocket, when there is money in your pocket, when everything is going well. But when things are tough, we need to praise him if we want to live in a revival. For the sake of time, I won't be able to, to go all the way to, with all their points, but I just want to quote them and mention it to you. I believe if we really want to live a, re a revival, we also need to grow in the knowledge of the grace. And Pastor Ray was an amazing message last Sunday. And I just want to say this. When, Paul, when Peter was writing this pistle, he was writing it to people that were being persecuted at that moment. And as I say, it's good to praise him in, good, in the good times. When things are tough, you grow a lot. And Peter challenged them that in the midst of their suffering, you should grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And make every effort to grow your faith with knowledge. With knowledge, self-control. To the self-control, perseverance. To the perseverance, goodness. To the goodness, aff aff mutual affection. And to the mutual affection, love. We better grow in knowledge. Not like uh, just forgetting knowledge as uh, just like a book. But to grow in knowledge and in love toward God. You need to fall in love with Jesus if you want to grow and experience in revival. No, it's not just for knowledge, but it's also for knowing him in a real and a personal way. And that people will see that you are growing and changing, that they will see you have something that I don't have. And that something that you have is the power of the Holy Spirit within you. It is so important. And I just want to challenge you with, because I know Chris does this too, like I do. He likes, when you, he reads the Bible, he wants to know why he wrote it, why they write it, how they did it, when they did it, where, and who, or to whom he's writing. Just don't be satisfied on Sundays or Saturdays or Wednesdays or in your cell group. Go and dig in into the Word. Be like that tree that is planted on the, like, close to the waters that grows and gives fruit in his times. It's not just a spiritual fruit, but also people. If we also want to live in a revival, we have to live holy life. Charles Swindle, in one of his books, says that Christianity is the champion of holiness. But it's amazing that we live in North America, so-called Christian, and there is more pornography and prostitution 
And so many liberalism that have been all the isms have taken momentum in our society and are taking almost over. And the church is sleeping today. We need a revival if we want to see the church and the society change. And for this, we need to live holy life. I know I'm not talking telling you that you need to shave your hair and become a Buddhist or going to the Tibet. No, you just need to be real. You don't have to use masks. Society has changed many things. Or copy somebody. You have to be real in your relationship. This generation is tired of just people preaching to them. They want to see reality. They want to see people living Jesus Christ daily. If we want to live in a revival, we have to separate ourselves apart from idolatry. Avoiding compromising our faith, faith in the sake of culture. We need to separate, separate ourselves apart from immorality. And that way we know it really well because uh, Stephen Dirksen preaches almost every weekend. Of week, and what is it? Uh, uh, Church Renewal Weekend. He's challenging us to clean ourselves all the time. And that's a good thing because it's one of the practices of the early church. But we need to lead, uh, set apart ourselves from worldliness. And 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world and the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's not a, that you don't have to enjoy what he provides to you. No, 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 I'm not saying that. But love him first than anything else. You know, society today has changed many terminologies. And they call gossip and criticism delightful conversation. Uh, to have sex out of marriage, society call it love. To the pornography, they call it art. To kill unborn babies, society call them women's or women's rights. To the legal use of marijuana, they call it medicine. To become rich, cheating, society call it smart business. To sodomy, society call it alternative marriage. Once the pastor told me this story and about a parrot. You know the parrot, the green little things, you know. And then the, this neighbor was right there beside the church, and he became a Christian. And uh, he found out that the pastor had a parrot, a female parrot. And he, he thought, man, if I put this bad parrot that is always saying, I, let's kiss, let's kiss. Every woman that went passed by, he was saying, let's kiss, let's kiss. And then, well, he found out that the pastor had this really good Christian parrot. And he says, always was saying, let's pray, Let's pray. Well, they decide to put them together and they smell each other. And suddenly, the non-Christian one says, let's, let's kiss. Let's kiss. You know what the Christian parent answered? Oh, thank God Almighty for answering my prayers. <laughs> Bad plus good doesn't make nothing good. We need to learn to separate ourselves from those things that take us away from the presence of God if we want to live a revival. If we want to live a revival, we need to preach the word in season and out of season. Second Timothy chapter four, chapter four, verse two. Paul challenged Timothy to say this: preach the word, be prepared in season, be prepared in season, correct, rebuke, encourage. 
with great patience, care, and instruction. It's a command. We need to do it. In season and out of season. Sure, we need to do it with our actions. We need to do it being nice and kind to our neighbors. Be helping them when they need help. But also sharing what Jesus has done and the freedom he has brought into our lives. First Peter chapter 3.15 says that in your heart sanctifies the Lord. Always be prepared to present answers to those of the reasons of your faith, to those that demand, demand it. As I said before, I wasn't into hearing God, but uh, my evangelism has become more successful when I listen to the Lord. And I had this experience at the mosque in Winnipeg. The professor from uh, World Religions that I in Providence didn't know when I was in his class. He, he didn't know who he had him in, in his class. Well, he brought us to the mosque. I saw everything. I saw the imam preaching really nice. At the end, I said, I was sitting in the table with him because they put us in a private room. And uh, I was just, I just was fighting inside because he was putting Islam as a beautiful thing. I've been in countries where Islam is. And I know what is the reality of Islam. It's not what the news and the people put there, try to show us here. I've been there. If I had a Bible with me in the street, I could get in prob- in, in, into problems. Or preaching in the street with freedom. Well, I was in this uh, table, and suddenly he was putting Islam like a beautiful thing, and I, they gave us a Quran. And I prayed in that moment, and I heard the voice, put your finger into the Quran. I put the finger. I read that before. To find this surah, I didn't remember at the moment the surah that I wanted to read. I put it there. When I opened the surah, guess where it was? Exactly in the one that I wanted to say. And I, and I felt shared with this iman. And I say, iman, and with all my respect, I just want to ask you to explain me this surah. He says in chapter 3, verse 56 and 57, says, All those that believe in Jesus are greater than those that don't believe in him. Please explain it. I know you believe in Jesus in a different way. But he's saying those that believe in him are greater than those that don't believe in him. That was amazing. He couldn't explain it. Oh, we, we will talk later. But what I was telling him, that his Jesus is different than my Jesus. And we had a good conversation later on. But I hear what the Lord wanted to do. I had the privilege to be in a soccer, with a soccer team in, in Mexico with the MPL group. And a simple man that says, I, am, I can be used by God. I never shared my, the gospel before. Well, he was among this group, and he began, he began to share his, his testimony, his story. At the end, he asked the young people from that team to raise their hands if they wanted to, raise, uh, to accept Jesus as a Lord and Savior. And guess what? Seven of them. Accepted Christ right there. And I was there. And I made sure those guys really meant what they, what they did. And I went to one or two of them that, and asked questions about it. That's, that's revival. Before revival come, there is a preaching of the gospel that is taking over the church. The great, the great revival came by the preaching of Edward, Jonathan Edwards in the United States. All the times that there had been a revival in 1950, Campus Crusade, Billy Graham, all over the world, there was a great revival. But before that, there was a church praying. If we want to see revival, we need a church that is agonizing in their knees, asking God to revive thy work in the midst of these times. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says something really interesting that leads us to believe this. 
prayer doesn't need proof, need practice. Because it says there that the prayers of the righteous man can do much. And I've seen it. I heard testimonies even of families from this church that they lost a kid in one moment. And suddenly they discovered cancer to a man. And the man now is walking among us without cancer. And this happened in this church. I've seen the man. I know the man. That is amazing. Because you guys believe that prayer doesn't need proof, need practice. If we want to see revival, we need you to ask God with all your heart. God, send a revival that we will see your church renew in Canada and in the world. When Martin Luther in 1517 prayed and satisfied for the religious life he was living, he prayed and the great reformation began. When Sinsendorf from the Moravians in 1727 began to pray, 300 years of revival came to Latin America and also to the Caribbean islands. And I seen a church that in Bluefields, Nicaragua, that was planted by the Moravians. I've been in Africa and I saw churches of the Moravians. 300 years of revival. A lot of prayers, a lot of power of the Holy Spirit was manifested during that time. Mennonites. I was doing this because I wanted to prove Pastor Ray wrong. It's true. I'm confessing myself right now. I was reading letters from the early Mennonite church saying, we want pastors that have the presence of the Holy Spirit. In 1728, I saw a letter that says, we want pastors that have the power of the Holy Spirit. They were the first Pentecostals. <laughs> but you guys left it. I can show you the letters. You guys have the power of the Holy Spirit among you. That's why your foreign father, by faith, they came to this land, running from, there, from Germany or Russia, but Truly, they knew who they did believe. When John, John Wesley in 1738 began to pray, the great revival swept to England and Scotland. When George Mueller in 1849 began to pray, he got supply all his need to take care of 10,000 kids in their orphanage in England. He did it just by faith. No asking money to anybody. He just prayed and the next day it happens. When Moses prayed, the sea was open. When the Israelites prayed and the, the walls of Jericho fall down. When Abraham prayed, God gave him a son which was in, in human speaking was impossible. When Elijah prayed, fire came from heaven. When David prayed, God gave them the power to destroy and to defeat Goliath. In 1951... In the parallel 29, this was a pastor from Korea who told me this. In the place called Heartbreak Ridge, September to October, there was the worst time of the war between North, uh, North Korea and China, Communist China, against United States, South Korea, and the United Nations. A platoon from the, from the Fox uh, Hall that they were, it advanced. 50 yards, and all the platoon was reached by bullets because it was like crazy. Only one soldier, only one soldier was screaming, saying, help me, help me. But nobody wanted to jump and help him until the watch marked 9 o'clock. United States soldier jumped on it, 50 yards, took the soldier, brought him back to the foxhole to give them the first aid. His sergeant asked him, why you waited? Why you waited until 9 o'clock? He told him, my mom told me that at 9 a.m. 
she was going to be praying for me in Alabama. And I knew that God was going to protect me from the bullet at 9 o'clock. Brothers and sisters, prayer doesn't need proof, need power, need practice. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit in us. We need a revival if we want to see the church renew in Canada and in the world. And revival starts first in you and in me. And it's it swept to all the churches when it happens, when the Holy Spirit comes with power. In 1941, some of you may recall this. Prime Minister Churchill gave his message to the United States that he wasn't being part of the Second World War at that time. He said these words, and I'm going to paraphrase them later, because I hope it's the desire of your heart. He said this, give us the tools and we will finish the job. England was being bombarded day and night by the Germans. They didn't have the tools to defeat them and to fight them. They needed tools. And he told the United States to Mr. President Roosevelt, give us the tools and we will finish the job. It's my prayer that today pray with me as we finish in this message to say to the Lord, Give us more of your spirit and we will continue the work that you began here in Southland and we will bring it to all the nations to help the church to be revived and to be renewed. Let us pray, brothers and sisters. Stand up with me. I'm just going to ask the, the worship group to come. Just as you're standing there, ask him the same way that the psalmist asked him. Oh God, create in me a clean heart. Restore the joy of my salvation. Cast not away your thy spirit within me. Renew thy work in my life. I hope that is your prayer. As we can pray in unison, let's do it all together. Say, Lord, revive thy work, thy church, thy work in the midst of our time. Let's put it, pray all together at the same time, Korean style. Padre, gracias te damos for this moment. Thank you so much for, because you have chosen Southland. And thank you so much for, because you have chosen my brothers and sisters here today. For a, such a time like this. We can be part of what you are doing around the world. And Father, revive thy work in the midst of these times. In these times, Father, make your word known. And in these times, Lord, remember mercy as this world is turning into Sodoma and Gomorrah. Father, thank you so much for this church that you have chosen from Steinbeck. Nobody knows Steinbeck, Lord. But you are choosing these people that are willing to help your church to be renewed. Father, help us see the desires of our heart. And I hope you can sing that next song with, as a prayer into your heart. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from Southland Church. For more information or to download this and many other messages, please visit us at myselfland.com.